Hey there, and welcome back to Rival Reviews. As always, I'm your host, DJ, and let's just get into it. So, this episode, I want to preface with a message that, yes, I am fully aware that Avatar The Last Airbender is technically not an anime. I am fully aware of that going into this conversation. However, I just watched that, as you, as probably the entire world knows, um, the live-action uh, Avatar The Last Airbender just got released last week. Um, my wife and I basically just binged it on the weekend, um, and uh, it kind of made me think that the next episode's content could be about live-action adaptations. Um, so yeah, so like I said, I'm fully aware that it's not, but you know what, in my personal opinion... I think it should have, like, it, it's like an honorary mention to being an anime. Like, I feel as if that if you're an anime fan, you also enjoyed Avatar. And it pretty much has every aspect of, like, a regular shonen anime, except for the fact that it wasn't created in Japan. Apart from that, there really is no big difference. Um, it even also, you know, has, like, you know, inspirations from, like, like, Asian heritages and stuff like that, and so, I, you know what, I, it, it might as well be an honorary mention in terms of anime. Um, but yeah, that being said, I think the one thing that I want to preface by talking about the live actions is that... <sighs> You can do it in a in a good way, and I have seen good adaptations, and as we all know, we have seen terrible adaptations. Um, and I think the one source that I think I can see from all of this is as you, you try you try you should try not to stray away from the source material too much. Um. But at the same time, you also can't make assumptions on your audience. Um, the best example that I can give to this is the Netflix's version of the Full Metal Alchemist uh, live adaptation. Um, as I have not made it a secret on this podcast, that is definitely my favorite anime. So when I heard that it was getting a live adaptation, I was actually kind of excited because I was like, hey, you know, more, more uh, Full Metal Alchemist. I'm, I'm always down for that. Um, but the problem that I had with it was, is that I find like a whole bunch of other adaptations, it makes assumptions on its viewership. Like I am under the impression, and maybe I could be wrong, but if I had gone into that blind, not knowing anything about the anime at all, I wouldn't have understood anything that was going on. Like, it was it was made in a way that instead of like take one piece for example live i feel that the live adaptation even if you had not watched one piece it was a solid story and it made sense from start to finish and i can even has like i'm looking at reviews online and everything else like that it has brought in a whole new wave of fans to the fan base where Going back to Full Metal Alchemist, I feel like if I didn't have the knowledge of the anime, I wouldn't have understood half the things that were going on. Um, 
like it didn't really touch on like the origins of the of the original story as to why they got there the the almost like the 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 stakes of why they were doing things it was kind of fun to you know see like a live action version of alchemy um being done on screen and everything else but really apart from that if you didn't know anything about the anime you would have been completely confused because like all of a sudden like it just jumps to like the 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 fighting that they did in Ishbal and no preamble no questioning as to why they're there or or reasoning behind it or anything else like that and i just found that like all of the characters the best way that i can describe it and which brings me to i think my second big issue with adaptations is it looks like you're watching cosplayers doing a movie. Um, is pretty much the best way that I can describe it. Is that like, you know, you look at the characters, like hair and even like the coat that he was wearing as El- Edward Elric and everything else, and it's almost as if he walked into like a what are those called uh, the the Halloween stores that pop up every Halloween or like the party zones where you can get like costumes. It looks like he walked out of there with an Edward Elric, like you know, you you paid forty dollars for the <laughs> for the whole ensemble and then you threw it on. Um, but I will say that certain, like I said, kind of going back to One Piece, I didn't get that feeling. Like what? Like I feel as if that they they paid homage to what the characters should be dressed as, but did it in a natural way. To not make it look like they're wearing exactly what should be translated from, like, the pages of the manga to on screen. Because they're not going to look the same. You know, as we all know for mangas or even animes or anything else like that. Um, especially this is insinu- uh, this is definitely um, illustrated in the way that women look and everything else like that. The proportions of bodies and everything, like, they don't exist. So... You can't go from one to the other, which is why, like, like even if you look at, like, kind of some, like, older adaptations, too, like, uh, you know, like, I've seen that they made, like, live actions of, like, Sailor Moon, and, uh, you know, they even tried, like, doing, like, a CGI'd version of uh, Scarlett Johansson's get-up in uh, Ghost in the Shell, and it all just looked like that they were just wearing a costume in, in instead of, like, you know... That's just what the character wore as like a shirt, um, and <laughs> I I think that that that's like one big thing that always threw that always throws me out of it. Like as soon as I as soon as I saw the the wig that the actor was wearing, or what they had done to the hair, I'm not entirely sure what they did for Edward's character in the live adaptation, but he looked like he was in costume. And that right there already takes me out of it. Um, so I think that that's another thing that I feel as if they need to kind of get over. And like, again, some you can get away with. Like, you know, like, for instance, like uh, the adaptations of like uh, Attack on Titan. Again, awful CGI and everything else like that. But at the same time, it's a uniform that they wear. So you can argue that, yes, it does look cosplayish, but... 
it is a uniform, so everybody is supposed to wear that, so you can kind of get away with it. But like I said, the best, the worst example is like the the Elric. Like when you're looking at like the 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 army clothes and everything else like that, like it it just it looked like that they walked out of a party zone, and I think it really really threw me off. Um. But again, that's not to say, like, obviously you can be negative about adaptations, but like I said before, I feel like One Piece did a phenomenal job. I know there was a, a little bit of uh, complaint about bringing in certain characters early, like bringing Garp in early and things like that into the story. People were kind of thrown off by that, but I feel like it actually strengthened it, and I also feel as if it didn't, I don't know, a lot of people's argument was that they it belittled the the interaction that Luffy and Garp have for the first time after a long time seeing each other, but I didn't feel that. And if anything, it made me feel more for, um, uh, what's his name? For Kiwa Glasses, Colby. Um, I felt more, I, I felt like, more into him as a character because like in the anime he's definitely for sure like not a main character but i would say that he is a very important character to luffy's beginning and for them to kind of incentive uh like like to extend on that and actually almost kind of create like dual storylines where you're cheering for luffy obviously because he's the main character but you're also kind of cheering for colby in the sense and i find that it's a really it was a really interesting way for them to also like be able to, to have the inside look in the Navy instead of like, kind of like the outside look that we would normally get. Like instead of all of a sudden panning to the conversation, you're actually panning to the conversation that Colby is overhearing. So it's almost as if Colby becomes the, I guess, narrator in that sense to the Navy's narrative. Um, which I like I said, I feel they did really well. Um, but again, on the flip side, if I go back to the original reason why I was feeling that I wanted to kind of go off about this, my biggest pet peeve that I think out of everything, and people can disagree with me all they want, but the live action um Avatar The Last Airbender, the whole point of the entire first book is that he is supposed to be learning waterbending. That is the whole concept of him going to the north to find a master to teach him and anything else like that. And not once in the entire arc of that did he do did he not even attempt waterbending. Basically the only waterbending we technically got is when he kind of did that fusion with the ocean fish spirit and went kind of cuckoo in avatar state which not to say like obviously that did happen and it did look really cool um on screen but it kind of like i said so (sighs) i think yeah so i think that, that that's the part that kind of bothers me the most about that one because is that going to be the pattern because the whole point of the avatar as a whole is the cool aspect that they are able to bend more than what than one element and th- like the story that they used for the entire first season of this if they're going to get a second season like the book 1 is done so now we're supposed to move on to book 2 and he hasn't 
bent any water. Um, the other thing was kind of like the character growth. So, and I think this is another thing that I kind of want to preface about the live action. I love the fact that this was also a live action series versus a live action movie, because I find that movies can be rushed. But my biggest pet peeve with this is that they, they announced that they were making a series. They had the time to take their time to kind of get more character development to, you know, show some water bending to, you know, have some of that kookiness that we all love from Avatar The Last Airbender. And instead, they kind of just tried to touch on the most valuable, I guess, story parts, in their opinion. Like, to just preface the story, just to move on to get closer and closer to uh, Sozin's comet. But sacrificed a lot to get there. Um, And I feel as if, honestly, if we could have just, instead of an eight episode, which again, I don't really understand where the, they, they grabbed the number out of the air, I guess, to make how many episodes they wanted. I think they could have honestly would have, it, like, it honestly would have done a better job for me if you give, if you had given me 12. As we've talked about, and actually as we talked about last week, you know, a lot of our seasonal animes and everything else like that, they have this formula of 12, se- 12 seasons for the core, they look to see how it does, and then if it works, they move on, and they make a second season maybe somewhere down the line. And 12 episodes seems to work. And again, granted, I understand that those are normally half an hour and to an hour, and we had about anywhere between kind of 45 to 55 minutes per episode for Avatar. But I just I feel as if they needed to take their time. And then there are certain other kind of like, like why introduce Jet that early if you're not going to utilize him all the way to the end? Was that just for Katara's growth? And speaking of Katara's growth, why did we rush that? And why all of a sudden is she like a crazy master where the first book we were also trying to kind of show the struggle of her trying to learn and almost being overshadowed for the fact that Aang can do better than her due to the fact that he's the Avatar. Like, we missed all of that. Which I think is a very lost opportunity, especially if later down the road you're going to try and, you know, build their relationship and everything else like that. Like, you need, like, you need the, 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 the conflicts to get to the resolution, right? And if you're going to skip that, I feel like you're doing yourself a disservice for the future. Um, but yeah, like I said, like there are definitely positive outcomes and differences between doing the series and the movies. Like, you know, you can look at Dragon Ball Evolution, terrible adaptation, but then you could like bounce back and go look at Alita Battle Angel. And that was a phenomenal adaptation, especially from using like kind of old content and you can even like go even further to like, you know, silly, uh, situations like speed racer. Like if you look back to the old speed racer and the, the animation style and everything else like that, like it's silly, but the nice part is, is that they actually were able to translate that silliness into the adaptation and it was just as enjoyable. And I guess there is also something to be said that, you know, you can also, 
you know, have a harder time translating, you know, action versus, I guess, more story-driven um, animes. Like, for instance, <clears throat> best example that I can give, uh, what's the one that I'm thinking of? Like, again, I thought that I thought that One Piece was going to have a hard time with the adaptation because of the silliness and like, you know, the stretchiness and how is it going to translate to on screen? And I was pleasantly surprised. But then you look at something like, you know, <laughs> using Dragon Ball Evolution for a chance where they could have, you know, CGI is a magical thing. The Kamehameha did not have to look that terrible. And I was sad to see that it did. Um, and again, it's also interesting to see that, you know, they kind of nailed it with One Piece, but Yu Yu Hakusho, as well as, uh, Cowboy Bebop adaptations that Netflix did, did not hit nearly the same amount of, of popularity that the others did. Now, granted, I don't know, I could argue that the, the same kind of fan base that One Piece has would kind of coincide with how much... Yu Yu Hakusho would have. Um, but even still, like, you can only adapt to a certain extent when it comes to that. But if you think about, like, um, Alice in Borderland, you know, a kind of, like, death game that's meant to happen in a real-life kind of backdrop, it translate a lot better due to the fact that it's actually meant to happen in real life where you know they attempted for some reason to try to incorporate the Dragon Ball Z into a modern high school life for whatever reason and it just it completely missed the mark um yeah, that's kind of all I wanted to say. I know this is a bit of a shorter episode, and I do apologize for that, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on what you guys thought about the live adaptation, and I kind of wanted to put my two cents out there. Um, if I had to kind of sum up how I felt about the Avatar one, I would give it, you know, maybe a 6 out of 10, because, uh, granted, I, I watched the old uh, Avatar Last Airbender movie that they attempted long ago, and <laughs> if I if I had to pick a if I had to pick uh, which would I prefer, obviously the series trumps it, hundred percent. There is no argument there. Um, but I will not lie and say that I wasn't disappointed um, by a couple different aspects, as I've kind of highlighted in the episode. Um, what did you guys think? I'd love to hear your opinions. Um, Rival X reviews on all your platforms. Um, next week, obviously, I will talk about it a bit more, but I will be having a guest spot on uh, another podcast. I will obviously highlight that once the episode comes out and talk more about that next week. So uh, look forward to that. I don't want to give too many spoilers on that sense. Um, but yeah, I guess I'll uh, see you guys in the next one. Bye bye.